0: This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, Chartered Financial Analyst and Certified Financial Planner Professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock here with the Retirement Detective Podcast. Today, we wrap up the last of our multi-part series on fixed income by talking about the income. We'll discuss yield, income, coupon, and how yield is an important part of portfolio construction when you're building a fixed income portfolio. So that will be Today's episode in the last part of this series. Now, we've covered a lot of ground with fixed income over the last several episodes. In the first episode, we discussed the basics of fixed income, how it works, and and the important things to understand about fixed income investments. Then we talked about credit risk. Last episode, we talked about interest rate risk. And then today, we're going to talk about income in portfolio construction. So let's dive right in. When you're purchasing fixed income, one of the words in the name is income. And that's a big part of why a lot of people invest in fixed income instruments. Now, I will say that although we commonly refer to fixed income as fixed income, not all fixed income is fixed. There is floating rate fixed income where the rate varies, but... We're going to keep it simple and just talk about actual fixed income today. Fixed income, like we talked about in the first episode, is a debt instrument that has a, a time period with a maturity at the end. And during that time that you own it, you're paid interest. And that's based on the coupon rate. The coupon rate is the stated rate in the bond document that says how much bondholders will be paid based on their principal. So if... The coupon rate of a bond is 2%. Basically, for every $100 purchased in par amount, you'd have $2 of income on an annualized basis. A lot of fixed income instruments pay income either quarterly, twice a year, otherwise known as semi annually, or annually. And when you're looking at yield, it's typically expressed in an annual form. So, if, for instance, if a bond paid semi-annually, and let's say you bought $100 worth, you're going to get $2 over the course of the year from the 2% coupon, but the actual payments would not be $2 each. It'd be $1 in the first semi-annual period, and then another dollar in the second semi-annual period to make it a total of $2. When you're analyzing a fixed income instrument, It is As we've talked about, it's important to understand the time period until it matures. We've talked about the credit quality and understanding what the credit rating is. And then lastly, it's important to understand the yield. When you're looking at a bond, there's really three or four key things to consider when it relates to the income. You need to understand the coupon rate. So this is the stated rate that the bond pays. And it's often in the name, like it will be Um, you know, let's make up a company, we'll call it uh, 123 Widgets. So 123 Widgets Corporation issues a bond and it's a 2% bond that matures in 2025. So when you look it up on a screen, it might say, you know, 123 Widgets, 2%, such and such month, such and such day, 2025. But that is the coupon rate. The coupon rate will match what your yield is if you purchase the bond at par. So let's talk about that. So every bond has a par amount, and that's basically like buying it at its original issue level most of the time. In other words, like it it has not gone up or down in value from its base pricing level. And also par is the, the amount that you would get at maturity. So again, let's just make one up. We're going to say it's, again, $100 bond par 2% coupon rate. If you buy that at par, it means you bought that $100 bond at $100. You bought it for $100. It It has a 2% coupon. It will pay you 2% in interest each year based on the payment frequency. And let's just say it's um, annual to keep it simple. So you get once a year that bond pays $2 on a $100 investment for a $100 par bond and you get $2 that's 2% yield now as an aside bond par is typically $1000 but we're going to just keep it at 100 to keep the math simple in the marketplace the fixed income markets pricing of bonds goes up and down so just like stocks the value of a bond that's trading in the market may move up or it may move down When you go out to purchase one, you have two choices. You either purchase a bond at issue, which means you're the first person to ever hold part of that bond. You and the other investors in that bond, you're the first ones. So when 123Widgets went out to the market and said we're issuing bonds, you were one of the ones that lined up and said, yeah, we'll buy those. Or if it's a municipality, you're one of the people that buys it directly from the county, the city, the state when they issue the bond. That's one option. The other option is buying it in the secondary market. The secondary market is basically buying a bond in anything other than at original issue. Let's talk about the secondary market for a minute. When you're buying bonds in the secondary market, the prices go up and down, so you may not always buy a bond right at the par amount, at, you know, in this case, 100, for this hypothetical bond that we're talking about. Let's say that it's, again, $100 $100 par bond, 2% coupon, one payment per year. And in the first example, we bought it at 100 So let's talk about yield and maturity. That's a really common metric that you'll see when analyzing a fixed income instrument. If you buy a bond at par and you hold it to maturity, and this is also getting a little uh, technical here, but you'd also need to technically reinvest your coupons in the same market rate of of the 2% in this example, then your yield for that time period would be 2%. That would be your yield to maturity. But what happens if market yields change and as a result the price of that bond changes? Let's leave out the market yields changing for a minute because that makes the calculation really complicated. There is a time value of money element to yield to maturity. But let's leave that part out because it's complicated. I do want to talk about the pricing, though. Let's say that yields in the market have moved down. Rates in the market have moved down. Now, if rates in the market move down, we know from a prior episode that the pricing of your bond will move upward. So we had a $100 par bond that paid 2%. Now it's worth 101. So let's say... Another investor comes along, ready to purchase that bond. They buy it at 101. Now the yield's more complicated. The yield to maturity in this case will be something less than 2%. And let's just say it's one year to maturity to keep it simple. You bought it for 101, it matures at 100. So here's the math. You bought it for $101. You will receive $2 in income, but when you bought it for 101, it matures at par, which is 100. So you earn $2 of income, but you've actually lost $1 in market value. So you made $1 on $100 par bond. That's 1%. So we've learned something. When rates in the market fall and yields in the market fall, pricing of bonds go up. And that's how the yields on bonds fall. Because compared to par, in this case, you know, it went above 100. The value that you're going to get at maturity compared to what you purchased it for, that delta has moved in a way that's unfavorable. Let's look at the other side. Let's say rates in the market move up and therefore pricing moves down. So in this case, let's say an investor comes along and buys this bond for 98 Dollars instead of a hundred dollars, and it matures in one year and it still is two percent. So, this investor in this case is going to make two percent from the income. It had a two percent coupon, so it's going to pay two dollars. And then the pricing will move from from the ninety eight dollars that they purchased it at, it will mature at a hundred, and therefore they get a two dollar increase or two dollar gain from. The purchase price. So for this investor, their yield and maturity is going to be about 4%. They paid 98, they made $2 on income, and they made $2 from the gain, moving from 98 to 100. Yield and maturity is really important to understand because it can be very different from the coupon rate. Depending on how much rates have moved from the time it was issued or Depending on how different the coupon rate was from just what rates happened to be in the market at the time, your yield to maturity could be quite different from what the coupon rate is. When you're buying a bond, you need to understand that yield to maturity has two components, well, really three key components. One, it considers the coupon, it also considers the bond's price relative to par. So if you buy the bond at a discount, something less than its par maturity value, then part of your yield to maturity is going to be the fact that the price of that bond moved upward from its current price to the price at maturity. In our example, it moved from 98 to 100. Also, it can move the other way. So if pricing is moved such that you bought the bond at a premium, you bought it above par, above, in our example, 100, in our first example it was we bought it at 101 then the yield of maturity for this bond takes into account that the pricing will fall between now and maturity some bonds like we learned in the first episode are callable which means that the issuer has the option not the obligation but the option to call the bond early where they pay out the bondholders before the maturity date using our example If you had a bond that, let's say, matured in two years, paid you 2%, and you're going to make 2% each year on your $100 investment, and let's say it matures in two years, but it's callable in one year, this means one year from now, the company could say, hey, we're going to pay everybody back. We want to recall these bonds, and we will pay everybody back early. That's one choice for the company. The company could also say, we're just going to wait and pay everyone back at maturity. If the bond is paid early, meaning the bond was called, then your yield will be less than if it was paid out at maturity because you did not receive as many income payments. Therefore, there's another important measure to consider which is called yield to call. If a bond is callable, you should see two numbers that you can consider. One is yield to call, one is yield to maturity. Yield to maturity is here's the yield that you will receive if you hold it to maturity. Yield to call is here's the yield you will receive if you hold it until such time that it is actually called. Now, just because a bond is callable does not mean that it will be called, but you need to understand that it might be. And if you are comfortable with a yield to maturity of, let's say, 5% was what you were looking for, but the yield to call is 1%, you should know that if you purchase this bond and it gets called, you will be somewhat disappointed with the yield you received on that bond. There's a third measure called yield to worst, and you may see it as YTW. Yield to call often is YTC, and yield to maturity is YTM. You'll see maybe these acronyms on your computer system or a website where you're investigating bonds, or, or maybe on a statement from your investment advisor, yield to worst is basically looking at all of the iterations of yield to maturity and yield to call and delivering you the yield that was the lowest. So if you look at yield to worst, it will tell you, well, in whatever call or maturity scenario that pays the worst, this is what that one is. So to be really conservative, the yield to worst will give you the worst case scenario in terms of what your yield will be. Municipal bonds have some unique tax features that I don't think we've talked about yet. Many fixed income instruments um, have different tax impacts, different taxation, and many municipal bonds are either federally tax exempt or state tax exempt or both. But it's important to note that not all are. There are taxable municipal bonds. Now, I'm not going to dive into what makes a bond tax-exempt and what doesn't. That's a story for another day. But when you're looking at a municipal bond, you should understand if it's federally tax-exempt or state tax-exempt for the state you live in, or both. Why does that matter? Well, two things. One, given the same criteria, same issue amount, same credit quality of the issuer, same... Coupon same time to maturity, all the metrics are the same, except one happens to be a corporation and one happens to be a municipality, in general, the coupon rate on the tax-exempt bond will be less. Therefore, it may look on its surface like it's not worth as much, but that would be a mistake to assume that. So let's say that we're comparing, and they're otherwise the same, but we're looking at a corporate bond that has a yield to maturity of four, and we're looking at a municipal bond that has a yield to maturity of two, and let's just say, to keep it simple, they're both trading at par, so the coupon rate is also four and two, the yield to maturity is four and two. If your tax rate is 25%, then for that 4% coupon that you earn, your take home will be 3%. So 25% of the four was paid out in tax and your net is three. The tax exempt one did not have any tax due because it was tax exempt. So it was two. So in this case, when you're comparing, should I buy tax exempt or should I buy taxable? And you look at your tax rate of 25%. In this example, even net of tax, the corporate bond paid more. Three was better than two. That is maybe not always the case. If your tax rate was, let's say you had federal tax, state tax, um, you had some tax surcharges in there, and you find yourself in a situation where you owe 55% total tax on this corporate bond between federal, state, and and other taxes, well now 4% net of tax is one8 Well. For this really high income person in this really high tax rate, it was actually better to buy the municipal bond because the 2% tax exempt exceeded what 4% would be with a taxable bond taxed at 55%, which is a net of 1.8%. Which brings up an important point. point, two things. When you're looking at municipal bonds, you have to consider what your tax adjusted yield would be compared to a corporate bond. Generally, as a rule of thumb, the higher your tax rate, the more the math will make sense that you should buy tax-exempt fixed income. Now, the, the calculation for yield to maturity and yield to call is pretty much the same for the two. Municipal bonds typically are callable more often, um, but the, the calculation is the same. It's just important to know that comparing a taxable bond and a tax-exempt bond is not apples to apples. You have to introduce you as the investor, your tax rate, before you can ascertain whether or not one or the other is appropriate for you. So what does all of this mean for building a portfolio? Well, when you're building a fixed income portfolio, or maybe a professional is doing it for you, you have to kind of pull together all the things we've talked about. You need to understand when these bonds will mature, what their duration is, so you know what their interest rate is, interest rate risk is. And then you need to understand the credit risk in the portfolio, but you also need to understand the yield to maturity, the yield to call, the income payments, and frequency. So if you're building a portfolio for yourself to maybe replace an income source, you may want to have your bonds mature or pay interest at a certain cadence or certain frequency. You may have a yield target that you're trying to achieve. So. If you have a yield target you're trying to achieve, it would be important to know if all of the investments in your portfolio meet that yield target on average or or in combination. For many people, they buy fixed income for two reasons. They want the income and they want to have something that's less volatile than stocks or or equities. We've talked about the, the risk side when we looked at credit and interest rate risk, but It's really important to understand how the yield works because that's the income portion. Yield and coupon are not the same thing. Interest income and yield are not the same thing. When you're building a portfolio, it's important to keep it diversified across all of these risks that we've talked about. It's important to keep it in line with what your goals are, and it's important to have that yield be at a level that helps you to meet those goals. And that the interest income occurs in a timing and in a format that is in congruence with your goals and that maturities are in line with your goals. For instance, if you put your whole portfolio into 30-year bonds but you need some of the money in two years for the down payment on a home, that wouldn't really make a lot of sense. So considering the timing of your goals, the timing of the money, and when it's going to be needed, is important when you're building out fixed income. Fixed income is an important part of the market, but it's also, I think, more sophisticated and requires care in building a portfolio that helps you to meet your needs and goals. I hope you've found our multi-part series on fixed income to be educational and helpful, and we will be back next week with another episode, but we will not be talking about fixed income We're going to move on to another topic next week. I look forward to speaking with you then. Have a great week.
0: This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change philip mock is an owner of 1522 financial llc 1522 financial llc is a registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in the state of oklahoma registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training the views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of 1522 financial llc 1522 Financial LLC is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. 1522 Financial LLC does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. 1522 Financial LLC shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer. Any reference to cases or case files is purely for entertainment purposes only.